0: part five of a soldier's diary by ralph scott this LibriVox recording is in the public domain part five september sixteenth a really fine day at last and our spirits rise accordingly our hopes are drowning and we have to clutch at the flimsiest of straws last night was very quiet and a lot of good work was done the men went back about four a m and i turned into battalion headquarters for a pow-wow with the colonel as i was walking home about half an hour afterwards the hun put down a very heavy gas shell bombardment particularly around the track i lay in a hole for half an hour with my mask on and was frightened to death lest i should be splashed with some of the infernal liquid the shells were not more than eighteen pounders but some of them were unpleasantly close this morning division reports that some three thousand shells came over in the half hour a new officer joined us today. he is about thirty wears gold-rimmed glasses and has never seen the war before he looks around with the wonderment of a little child and will be an infernal nuisance to us still i suppose there are no real men left now september seventeen spent the night by myself crawling around in front and noticing the places most in need of wire i came across a german post with four men in it and a light machine-gun they were well forward quite isolated and obviously nervous i told the nearest company but they wouldn't do anything and even looked frightened to think that there were real live germans so near them a sod splashed down in the trench outside and i noticed the orderly at the door a lad about eighteen jump and nearly drop his rifle it all makes one very sad if you look back upon the days when there would have been a clamor to go and snaffle that post and this is the division which captured and lost one village seven times on one bloody day and finally held it against all attacks with a fifth of its effectives on their feet september eighteen the men went back into the reserve billets today, but i stayed on with the relieving sections the ground is beginning to dry again and life becomes more pleasant there is a great aerial activity and the hun shoots very much on our roads and back areas surely we are not preparing a stunt september nineteen received orders to return to reserve billets as we are going out of the line spent a busy day handing over work and packing up as the whole company moves tomorrow. september twenty trekked to our new billets in reserve which are almost out of the war even the sixty pounders are well in front of us spent a quiet day making cover for the men rigging up horse lines and generally settling down there is more billeting accommodation than we have seen for months and greatest joy of all we can sleep in our pajamas september twenty one apparently there is some kind of a stunt coming off because we have instructions to rest the men as much as possible and give them an easy time accordingly we do a little drill paint our transport clean rifles and ammunition overhaul explosives etc etc there is some fascination about this war game some inexplicable grip which it has over us in spite of everything we have gone through there is once more a thrill of expectation in the air and the men seem keener as though looking forward to something no one could hate the war more than i do and yet i would be bitterly disappointed if sent on leave to-morrow and if we of all men can still feel moments of exhilaration can there ever be a league of nations september twenty two the usual instruction work and overhauling of equipment orders came through today that we are to give the men instructions in attack open warfare and extended order formations the men enjoy it and are cheering up tremendously there are now several new divisions in our area guns are coming forward and more troops arrive every day all of them apparently from the south they seem fresher and more competent than our own men but they have already had the experience of driving huns before them we on the other hand have been fighting a losing fight with our backs to the wall for over seven months a lot of kilted troops arrive today, september twenty three had the men out all day practicing attack formations it is hard to believe that these fiercely rushing groups of men are the same troops who were fought to a standstill at Kemmel and held that blood-soaked line with such dogged fatalism through the weary summer and after two or three days rest they are expected to go forward again a man must feel proud september twenty four training hard in spite of high hopes dashed before we seem as keen as ever to make another effort the atmosphere seems charged with electricity more troops are pouring in and the broad gauge railway is up nearly as far as our billets was recommended again for a military cross this time due to appear in the king's christmas honors list september twenty five we are still without orders but the attack must be near at hand now expectation and excitement september twenty six receive preliminary orders that day and i will take a section each and join the artillery brigades to make roads and bridges for them in the advance two sections remain in reserve under cooper a tag before dawn on the 28th. Went up to the brigade to arrange details and went to bed on return. Roused after an hour's sleep to go out with a section to repair two forward bridges near the front line before daybreak. Got about twenty men and a miscellaneous material onto two pontoon wagons and started out in drizzling rain. I sat in the front of the first wagon and as we lumbered off into the dark I fell into a sort of reverie i thought lazily of home and of the twenty-eighth and the things it might mean and in my mind i went again over the characters of the men the good ones and the doubtful ones and detailed them off for different jobs these and a hundred other thoughts wandered idly through my mind punctuated by the jolting of the wagon and the barking of the eighteen-pounders then the men began to sing very quietly and sweetly and the rise and fall of their voices seemed to add some special significance to the night we made good progress over bad roads stopping occasionally to check our way or adjust a girth now they were singing annie lorry and i heard garner say damn under his breath i asked him what was the matter with them to-night and he said "Don't no sir but i wish they wouldn't sing like that The rain had developed into a heavy Scotch mist, which swallowed up the lead driver and the mounted corporal. I shivered under my coat, and felt unutterably lonely and sad. At last the wagon stopped, and we went forward on foot towards the work. We bridged three trenches, and then came to the main job, a fifteen-foot span across a swollen beak, and not more than four hundred yards from the German lines for about an hour the work went quietly and well and we got an arch across the stream in the form of an old french steel shelter suddenly there was a short fierce whine a crash and a livid burst of flame right in the party three more followed almost instantaneously and then for a second an awful silence Someone said christ and began to cry gently five men were killed three of them practically missing and three badly wounded by a miracle the work was practically undamaged we took the casualties to the wagons and returned to the job how the men worked there again i shall never know but they did and the bridge was across an hour before dawn the suddenness of the shock has knocked my nerves to pieces and even as i write my hand trembles Looking back now, I can see something unnatural in the whole of that ride in the pontoons. Little details were too impressive, and there was an almost unhuman beauty in the way they sang that song. I am sure that some of those men had a vague premonition of what was coming. September 27. Lay down for a few hours after we got back, but was unable to sleep. At midday, I took numbers two and three sections to forward billets at Pigsty Farm. And at 5 p.m., number three section moved out again to join their brigade. The company transport and reserve sections arrived about 9 p.m. Major and I had a final talk together, and I turned in about 11 p.m. I was nervous and excited, and although very tired, slept but little. September 28. Number 2 section breakfast at 2.15 a.m., and were ready on the road at 3.30. Whilst I was inspecting them, the barrage started on our left for the Belgian attack, and the northern sky was bubbling with light. We reached brigade headquarters at the chateau about 5.15, and at 5.30 our barrage started, and the front-line troops went over. The scheme was that we were to go forward at once and make a track passable for eighteen-pounders from their present positions up to second jumping-off line they were expected to be there about noon and would then be in a position to support the further advance of the infantry everything depended on getting the field guns forward to support the second attack i left the transport at the chateau under the corporal and led the men forward towards a half-dried-up canal which was the first break in the road it was raining heavily It soon became apparent that the Germans were maintaining a barrage on this side of the canal, and as time was against us, we had to go through it. It looked rough and ugly, and the men were looking at each other. For a moment I was tempted. We were absolutely alone, and it was up to me. Nobody could blame us if we didn't go through, and in an hour it would probably have stopped we were perhaps five hundred yards from the canal and shells were bursting heavily there was no cover and at times the canal banks were obscured by the fumes and smoke from the bursts something outside a man takes hold of him at these times and tells him what to do in half a minute i was calmly saying come on and the men were following in single file about ten paces from man to man i thought we should never get across we tried to run but we kept sticking in the mud and bunching together just like a nightmare once or twice i looked round and the men were grand two fellows were hit and the others dragged them across then a third went down and was picked up by the two behind eventually we were under the shelter of the canal bank with one man killed and two wounded it was great and after that i felt we could do anything By now we were soaked to the skin, but bunches of prisoners were coming back, and the worst seemed to be over. We worked steadily on the roads under fairly continuous shell fire, and by 10 a.m. the track was completed. After this the German shell fire weakened as the advance went forward, and his guns were either taken or forced to withdraw. The men were worn out and literally covered with mud, so I withdrew to some old dugouts in the canal bank a message was sent for the transport to come forward and another one to the company for rum the men had just lit fires and were beginning to dry themselves when i received a message that the guns had reached their destination but our further help was wanted at once at eleven thirty the section moved forward again and by two p m the whole brigade were standing to for action in their new positions the division moved up into line during the afternoon and the advance pushed on. Witschek-Messinus and the Werneton line are reported captured. At 4 p.m. the section returned to the canal, awaiting further orders. The brigade commander personally thanked me for the day's work. At 4.30 I received news that the transport was stuck somewhere behind us, but they were trying to get the limber forward, with six horses in it, instead of the normal two. The tool-cart had been abandoned eventually the limber arrived and then i sent four horses back for the tool-cart which arrived about six-thirty via ypres the roads were in a terrible state and will do more than the huns to hold us up at seven the men had a meal the first since two a m this morning and after that turned in to a more than well-earned rest i went over to see the colonel and learnt that they are pushing on over the hills and Comines is to be captured tomorrow. Everyone is delighted. The show has been a great success, and casualties are light in comparison with the results. The only trouble is the mud, with which we are literally covered from head to foot. September 29. Our rations arrived about 5 a.m., but no forage for the horses, and we were unable to move forward in consequence. My biggest trouble is going to be to keep in touch with supplies and water during this nomadic life roads were reported passable as far as the front so i left the section standing too under the sergeant and rode off to find the company i hunted about all morning and found them at last at the old place but just ready to move off arranged to draw rations direct from the company each day with my own limber i took two nose bags of corn back with me on my mare gave the limber horses a feed when i reached the section and then sent them back for rations somehow or other the company has heard some very high-coloured accounts of our passage through the barrage on the twenty-eighth at two p p.m., I rode forward with an orderly and visited the brigade and all batteries heavy rain set in again and as every one seemed fairly comfortable and there was no accommodation forward i decided to spend another night at the canal The road is blocked with traffic from morning till night, and I am afraid it will break up badly if the rain continues. The whole show depends on that one blessed road, and apparently it is going to be my job for two or three days more until the corps troops can get up. The brigade was in action when I reached them, and a stiff fight was going on around the last ridges. The Huns are sticking a bit, and a fierce counterattack had just been driven back rifle and machine gun fire was very intense i saw a lot of hun dead about the rows and a few of our fellows the huns have left a lot of guns behind and should be fairly hard hit it was dark when i got back and the horses could hardly crawl along rations and forage came up shortly afterwards so we turned in and had a good night's rest september thirty heavy rain all last night at eight a a.m., I sent two orderlies up to brigade and my groom came back to the company to change my mare she was completely exhausted pending receipt of orders we rigged up a shelter for the horses as they were shivering badly and i began to be frightened for them the poor beasts are caked with mud and even their eyes are hardly free from it at noon received orders to go forward as early as possible so i sent half the lumber back for rations and moved up with the section after a really terrific struggle we got as far as the batteries and managed to find a bit of cover in some old german concrete dugouts worked till dark on the road and then started to fix things up for the night the dugouts were in the middle of a swamp about five hundred yards from the road and in the dark it took us three-quarters of an hour to reach them i had to give up all idea of getting the horses across and finally found a place where they could stand about a mile from the dugouts the drivers were quite worn out so we had to mount a stable guard of sappers with instructions to move the horses every hour to prevent them sinking in the mud it is still raining bitterly cold and i can't understand how the poor beasts live the wagons are nearly axle-deep shortly after midnight i had everyone settled and then crawled literally into my own shack it is an old Bosch concrete place and stinks like hell there are two wooden bunks in it but it is dry my man lit a fire on the floor and we warmed up some old tea in my shaving mug i was chilled to the bone and there was nothing to eat but i shall always believe that that tea saved my life there was no room for officer and servant here just two very weary men We sat on either side of the fire, drying our socks, and the smell mingled with the fetid odors of the dugout. Our eyes grew red and tearful with the smoke, which eventually drove us to the uninviting boards, where we slept like the babes in the wood. Several times during the night I woke up shivering with cold and the clammy clothes sticking to my skin. But we were over the hills, and I could not have missed that night for all the gold in Africa. October 1. Up at 5.30 and immensely cheered to see a blue sky, although I didn't begin to feel normally warm until about noon. Bully and Biscuit for breakfast as a change from the Biscuit and Bully of the preceding days. Received an official note of thanks from the brigade for our work, and orders from the commander-royal engineers to join the company apparently the advance is held up for a few days until heavy guns and supplies can get forward again i sent number two sections forward to work on the new plank avoiding road and returned to meet the major at eight a m he returned to the company and sent up numbers one and four sections to me from reserve billets number three section also rejoined so i fixed the lot and billets as well as possible and then took out numbers one three four to work on the road with number two we now have got all our limbers and tool carts as far as the batteries and i am commanding all the sections cooper remains with the heavy transport on the other side of the mud rode around the work during the afternoon and met the commander royal engineers who was full of congratulations withdrew to billets at 5 p.m. to give the men a chance to dry their clothes and have a warm meal, the first they have had since the 27th. We are without definite news, but apparently the whole show has been a great success, and the Army is only waiting until we can get the roads through. I can never forget the great change which seemed to spread like wildfire over the spirit of the Army on the evening of the 28th the 29th we were in the midst of the worst of the mud area miles of transport wagons were bogged along our single road it was raining hard and few of us had eaten anything for twenty-four hours nobody was looking forward to the dawn but from somewhere behind us a rumor came through that bulgaria had asked for peace there was no cheering no demonstration of any sort but the news seemed to put new spirit into the tired troops the weary mud caked horses were lashed and spurred again men put their aching shoulders to the wheels and once more the limbers lumbered forward all night long the wagons toiled painfully up those fateful ridges where scores of thousands of our finest infantry had died and in the drizzling dawn they saw their reward at last behind them lay the dull dead plain with its memories of misery and mud Before them they looked down upon a new unbroken country, and the spire of Tymbrian Church, untouched of shot or shell, beckoned like a winning post against the eastern sky. October 2. Heavy rain again last night, but it hasn't dampened our spirits. We could meet almost any call right now. At 5.30 a.m., an orderly came in with orders from the Commander Royal Engineers, saying that we are to work from 6 to 9 on the divisional main road. By dashing off without any breakfast, we were able to start at 7.30, and returned for a meal at noon, our first since yesterday evening. In the afternoon, Day worked with the sections on the road, while the Major and I brought up the heavy transport artillery horse lines just forward of our own were heavily shelled for about five minutes and a lot of horses were knocked out about a hundred of the poor beasts stampeded, and it was a pitiful sight to see some of them dragging their entrails along the ground this incident made me realize that if the germans have any fight left in them at all we are in a very precarious position several divisions are herded together with the river lys in front of them and an impassable belt of swamp and mud behind a really energetic counter-attack would give us another cambrai at night many fires were visible again where the enemy is burning villages along his retreat many of these appear to be very far off which looks as if they contemplate a big withdrawal a favorite theory is that they will withdraw as far as the meuse for the winter october three company commenced work on a new plank road to relieve the strain on the main road i went forward with three wagons to a dump on the menin road to get material, but it took us all morning to get there as the roads were blocked with artillery limbers we want ten times more transport and ten times more labor than we have got if we are to make any reasonable progress the field companies are quite inadequate to cope with any serious road-making in an advance like this in the afternoon scouted round with cooper looking for what had once been a first-class road clearly marked on our maps we couldn't find a stone a tree or any single thing that would indicate where the road had been we couldn't even fix it from our maps as farms houses and landmarks of any description had totally disappeared we had some difficulty in getting back and once cooper's horse went down to her belly in the mud we nearly lost her but got her out eventually october took all wagons to the dump and got a lot of materiel up during the day made some appreciable progress on the road two new officers have joined us and day has gone back to headquarters wagon lines was delighted to meet two old friends lucas and mitchell of our left division in the afternoon october five road is now going forward well and we had another fine day although very cold things seem to be sorting themselves out after the last advance and we should soon be ready to try again october six orders from the commander royal engineers that we shall Probably move again tomorrow, and all ranks are to have as much rest as possible. Worked all morning on the road and packed pontoons, etc., during the afternoon. October 7. Two sections moved at 7 a.m. to work again on the avoiding road, and two sections moved across country towards the Menin Road. At 9 a.m., I took the transport across in front of Ypres and picked up Cooper with the pontoons in the afternoon. We made a horse-lines there, as it was the only patch of dry earth available, but before getting in we had to shift about fifteen dead mules, which had been killed the night before by a bomb. Billeted the sections in an area containing one dugout, just off the ypres Road, a piece of ground probably more fiercely fought over than any other during the war. The solitary dugout was unusable owing to prevalence of dead Bosch, as mark twain would say fixed so that they could outvote us we couldn't find a level piece of ground large enough to make one tent without a lot of digging the sergeants found a very good place for their tent but a dead hun was in possession of the freehold they decided to bury him and deepened a shell hole accordingly then the problem how to get him into it the sergeant-major took his boots and the farrier very gingerly took his sleeves they lifted but his arms came out in the farrier's hands they withdrew to windward and talked it was growing dusk the tent must go up finally the farrier put his gas smack on and literally buried him in shovelfuls pro patria the only way to stop war is to tell these facts in the school history books and cut out the rot about the gallant charges, the victorious returns, and the blushing damsels who scatter roses under the conquering hero's feet. Every soldier knows that a rewriting of the history books would stop war more effectively than the most elaborately covenanted league which tired political legal minds can conceive. October eighth. Working all day on the roads, it is a dreary job in this blighted, featureless country october nine received orders to report again artillery brigade headquarters so there is obviously another stunt in the wind in the meantime we are still mudslinging october ten went forward into the outpost to reconnoitre tracks and ways forward for the guns we were in absolutely virgin country and it was a new experience to think of death lurking behind these green hedges and quiet farm buildings at night took the section up and did a lot of work filled in several ditches cleared a ride through a wood and chopped down several trees with which we made a small bridge took the floor out of the farm kitchen to cover it with october eleventh our reconnoitring again all morning and at night took a company of pioneers up to work on a second track had a very unpleasant time on the menin road where we were heavily shelled Some artillery transport suffered badly, but we got through without casualties. The weather continues fine, and everything points to another show about the 15th. The Huns have put up a lot of wire, but the field guns have been shooting this down steadily for three days now, and the heavies are coming into position. This morning, when I was up, our shells were falling dead in the belts of wire and cutting broad lanes through it sent in two recommendations for military medals for work in the last show mounted corporal for great gallantry and devotion to duty in bringing up transport and supplies under heavy shell fire and at great personal risk his action greatly contributed to the success of the section in its work of helping forward the guns a sapper for conspicuous gallantry and devotion to duty when repairing a bridge under heavy shell-fire for the advance of the artillery. He set a fine example to his comrades, and persevered with his work until it was completed, regardless of great personal danger. It was hard to write the above, knowing that every man equally deserves those medals. The whole institution of awards ought to be abolished, except perhaps the Victoria Cross. October 12th skipper returned from leave company still carrying on with roads number two section out with me all night widening a bridge it was a miserable night with heavy rain and howling wind but the men worked cheerfully and a lot of work was done so far as we are concerned all is now ready for the next attack october thirteen the attack is to start early in the morning of the fourteenth and will be general along the army front the company received orders to move forward today but i had to go on to brigade before they started or before i knew exactly where they were going i left brigade shortly after dusk and returned to find two companies of pioneers who were now detailed to work under me to-morrow i knew they were somewhere in the morass near the menin road but i blundered about for two hours before i found them it required all my willpower to keep me going and when finally i saw their tents i was in the last stages of exhaustion several times i must have been very near to them but it was impossible to see more than twenty yards and i had passed away again going round and round in circles i was so weak towards the end that i used to lie still in the mud for several minutes every time i fell aching in every muscle and wondering how many more times i could fall without dropping off to sleep It was after 1 a.m. when I left the Pioneers, and there was a four-mile walk to where I thought the company would be. I wandered from battery to battery, asking for news of them, but no one could tell me where they were. It was absolutely vital that I should find them before dawn, but at last my legs failed completely, and I collapsed in the middle of the road. I crawled into a hole in the bank, but tired as I was, couldn't sleep because of the cold i was tormented with fears as to what would happen in the morning as i was the only officer who knew the gun tracks and almost everything depended on the clearing of those End of part five.